Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix treats both. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 milligram dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, fans were stunned to learn a football team who got destroyed on national television came from a high school that didn't exist. But how they got on TV was only part of the story. We'll discuss the HBO Originals documentary, BS High. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Rebecca. It's a snazzy shirt, Kevin. Why, thank you. I just got back from a concert, so I wanted to dress up like uh, people on stage. Do. Oh, you ever wonder like where they get their clothes? Stylists, stylists. But where did the stylists like somebody? All right, I'm just gonna say this. I went to see Squeeze, which is like a big '80s band, and like I'm a fan of. The opening act was the Psychedelic Furs. Yeah, <gasps> I love the Psychedelic Furs. Dude, and they've got a lot of saxophone, uh, right? And yeah. so their saxophone player is wearing like this leather uh, coat. Like with all these buttons, it's like a, a pirate's coat, but it's all black and leather with all the buttons. And I'm like, how do you go out and find a coat that makes you look like Captain Feathersword going to a funeral? It's hmm. just, where do they get that stuff? And the lead singer, he had to say, I swear to God, it was a blouse. You know, it just oh, was a, well, I, a puffy shirt. A puffy shirt. <laughs> it's like a Seinfeld episode right there. Yeah. And it's Did funny. you see the Flight of the Concords where, uh, they want to dress like Jimi Hendrix, so their buddy takes them up to his his mom's, like seventy year old mom's uh, wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, that seems show. About right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh man, well you look fantastic, yeah. Kevin. But you should see like all the other old people trying to dress hip. Yeah, it was really yeah. I was like, oh man, I feel really depressed about like. You go to these shows and you remember like in the 80s when they came out and did these songs like while they were still on the charts, like these women were like throwing their panties and right now they're literally granny panties. Mm. <laughs> like, okay, it's great. It's like, thanks, Mima. <laughs> hmm. And it takes forever to use the men's room because everybody's got a prostate problem. Yep. You know, so it's like, 
I mean, talk about squeeze. Usually the men's room has the shorter line, right? But not usually at these concerts, no. right? <laughs> come on. It's like, give it a couple of taps. Let's go. More than three shakes means you're playing with it. <laughs> All right. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of The Final Curtain, Laura Bricker. Hey, Laura. Hey, Rebecca. I've gone to no concerts now that Jimmy Buffett is dead. And um, mm. I am not sorry for your fancy- loss. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Mr. The Animal was also very sad. My One of my Buffett friends, he texted me to express his condolences. <laughs> yeah, well, I have news along those lines, speaking of. What's so that? I know I wasn't going to go to the Peter Gabriel concert. Yeah. And then I had other plans, so I couldn't go. Right. But then those other plans got canceled. And my friend Diane, Kevin, said, I want to go to that Peter Gabriel concert. So I'm going now. That's great. Oh, wow. Without you. But then you know what happened? Let me tell you what happened, guys. I was playing some Peter Gabriel in the house the other day, and then Kevin had the nerve <laughs> to say to me, you know, after hearing some Peter Gabriel music, I just kind of remembered, like, I kind of do like Peter Gabriel. Like, I would have gone to that, Kevin. Oh, oh well. Yeah. Kevin. Too late. What Guess what? We're going to keep talking about all this in the after show, so. <laughs> and finally, our captain of all things cynical, the author of the City Trilogy, host of Strange Arrivals, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hey, Toby. Hey, Rebecca. You want to hear about my concert experiences? I do. Save them for the after show. This, <laughs> we have no goddamn right. after show if we just talk about all this stuff. All right, Kevin. This but is- you've really teased people. Everyone's like, I'm going to join Patreon because I want to find out more about what Toby's concert experiences are. <laughs> all right. So okay. It's about the one the guy made out with the, his mother, right? Is it going to be like when he, went to, when he doesn't went to see Guar? It's Guar. And, uh, and Ke- I didn't see Guar. Oh. And you, you didn't get to walk out with one of the costumes? Uh, no. Oh, nope. okay. I thought that was going to be the story. So Kevin, this is obviously Monday's podcast. Obviously. What is happening on Thursday's show? On Thursday, we're going to be talking about the new podcast called Dear Alana. Okay. I've been wearing that t-shirt for Dear Alana ever since podcast. Somebody gave you a promotional t-shirt. That's right. Well, it obviously worked. We're going to do it now. (laughs) Thanks for the t-shirt. We would have ignored your number one podcast unless we got that. It's so funny because I've been wearing the t-shirt and a few people have asked me, oh, like, how is that podcast? And I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I haven't listened yet. Tracy gave me the t-shirt. I haven't listened to the podcast, but you know, a t-shirt's really soft. So I've been Mm. wearing it a lot. All right. Um, So Kevin, I think we should get to what we're talking about because I know we have a lot to say. Eventually we have to do that. Should we do that? Let's do it. All right. Let's go ahead and drop that first clip right now. Leading off. I would be stunned if Bishop Sycamore ever plays another football game. And that will do it. The absurdity kept stacking and stacking and stacking, and it couldn't have possibly been funnier. America was introduced to Ohio's Bishop Sycamore High School during a nationally televised football game. When they lost 58 to nothing, people first questioned how a team so clearly bad made it onto ESPN. But there was a bigger twist. The high school they played for did not exist. Reports are now claiming Bishop Sycamore is not even a real high school. No facilities, no building, kids staying in hotels. And they're not actually high school players? How does this get on ESPN? How does that happen? Coach Ray Johnson had dreamed up Bishop Sycamore just so he could put together a football team. Along the way, he flouted safety rules and sporting codes while taking financial advantage of the players, creditors, and the government. Do you think it was irresponsible to keep pushing the program forward even though you didn't have the money? Yes. Would you do it again? Yes. 
The HBO Originals documentary BS High tells the story of the scam around a fake high school and its gridiron team, as well as the con man turned coach. We hear from officials who tried to sound the alarm on the scheme and from the many black impoverished players who were led astray. It also explains why, despite the evidence, there's nothing officials can do about a fictitious football team. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from BS High. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes for our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. Okay, Lara Bricker, do you think Roy is a sociopath? I'm going to ask this question to all of you, but I'm going to start with Lara. Well, it's interesting you say that, Rebecca, because there is something going on with him. I started to feel like that because he just did not seem to have any remorse. He's, I mean, there's, there's clearly a lot of narcissism going on there, um, but no remorse. Says he would do it again. It's pretty clear that these teenagers that were brought in to play were from really difficult backgrounds, but Roy like orchestrates this whole thing. Starts right off like, do I look like a con man? Do I look like a con artist? How you feeling? That's what I'm asking. Do I look like a con artist or do I do like like regular normal person? You look good. Okay, there was a specific question in there. <laughs> I mean, if he's if he's not a sociopath, he's probably the most self centered person that I've I've seen in quite some time in terms of the things that he did, bouncing checks at hotels, taking out PPP loans in the names of these kids. And he ran over some geese with his car. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of bad things about he ganked Roy. some geese. And then backed up. And again. ran over him again. So I'm just saying, I don't know. I just think Roy is a bad guy. What do you think, Toby? What do you think about Roy's personality? Because, you know, he thinks he's, what, funny? Like, that's the thing that's so hard to discern. Yeah, I mean, it is because he'll say stuff that's obviously complete bullshit and then like kind of smile at the camera like, yeah, I know, like I'm in on the joke, too. But is he a con man? Is he a sociopath? Is he both? It's it's strange. But I, I think like one of the sort of moments that made me think about him being a sociopath is his reaction to one of his players like breaking down about how going to Bishop Sycamore had really just like ruined his life at that moment, at least. And there's clearly no empathy. How do you respond to that? Can we take a break, please? Sure. That's some fucking bullshit. These motherfuckers, man. Like, I don't think he feels embarrassment, but I think he feels as though he's being you know, sort of insulted or, or, or called into question. And that's in contrast to his buddy who's there who clearly, you know, is given some pause and then, and then kind of gives sort of the, the positive spin that he can give about what they were doing for those kids. But I think the contrast between them, how this guy seems like kind of sincere, but misguided and Roy just seems you know, he basically says, if you can prove that it's a lie, I'm probably not going to lie about it. But if there's no proof out there, I will 100% lie. Mm. And so I guess that's getting pretty close to being a sociopath, right? Mm. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, well, the question of what makes Roy tick is sort of at the heart of this whole thing. And no one there seems to have a solid answer, right? Every At the end, 
you know, they kind of sum it up and just kind of go around the horn. It's like, what, like, what is Roy about? What is, what kind of guy is he? And all this other stuff. And no one really is able to put their finger on it. I, I think that the thing Toby brings up is right. The truest thing he probably said was that he was an honest liar and that he's not going to lie to you about something that uh, you can prove. And that's sort of a lie within itself. I will not lie about something I can prove. I'm not going to tell you that we did something and we didn't when I can prove it. But you're comfortable to lie about things that can't be proven. Yes. He strikes me as somebody who sees all of these rigged systems Mm -hmm. and is like, I see people, I see all of these loopholes in the world and I'm going to use all of them. And then he also does all these dishonest things. But ultimately, like he did a lot of bad shit, but there were mechanisms for him to do all this bad shit. He just did it at every level. Right. So Mm -hmm. he takes he takes advantage of the church the rules about churches in order to like, you know, you know, like have a, an organization that the government can't go after. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he does the stupid thing where I have heard of the scam before, by the way, of ordering a hundred chickens <gasps> oh, yeah. and then canceling the order and then going in and getting him at a discount. I've heard that people doing that around pizza and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, but that's like, that's not technically illegal. Right. But right, it's, a, right. it's a scam. Like he's like shady AF. Yeah, he's like if there's a if there's a loophole, there wouldn't there wouldn't be that loophole if they didn't want people to use it. Or like that's like that seems to be the mm-hmm. way he thinks, and he is literally ruining these kids' lives along the way. And the part the path the fact he doesn't care obviously is the problem. Um, I want to talk about that other school, IMG. Mm-hmm. I want an expose on that place. Does anyone else like want there to be a documentary about that school? Besides me. <laughs> well, what do you need to know? Somebody bought the high school for a billion dollars. Yes. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it's a vocational school about sports, which is fascinating to me. Yeah, it's been around for a long time. The schools start off as basketball schools. Like, I don't know where, what IMG kind of came out of, but, you know, because you'd need so few players to have like a, a really top high school basketball program. There was a, a one down in Virginia that was big that produced a whole bunch of pros um, you know, at one point, Lake Winnipesaukee had two of the top three teams in the country for basketball, which is like rural New Hampshire, but it's these two prep schools that just, you know, they get college bound guys to do their PG years there. So then IMG kind of took that and was like, we'll do it for every sport, you know? So they do football. I mean, I think football is obviously the big moneymaker, but IMG's got basketball. IMG's got lacrosse. Um, those are just the ones like I've like literally seen. Uh, so I'm sure there's a ton of other sports they do as well. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not like in any way discounting like the, the, like the, the student athlete, right? Like a kid mm-hmm. who like is really, really good at sports. And, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't say that a kid who is really, really good at the arts, like shouldn't go to a program that really excels at that. Right. But it is interesting to me, like there are all these ways that kids who are really good athletes can sort of get around things like, like they're, they're like, you know, different things, academic things or whatever. Like mm-hmm. we were watching, um, that thing about the Gators on Netflix and like Tim Tebow played football for two high schools that he didn't attend because he was homeschooled. Like, and I found that very interesting that there are all these weird rules in high school sports that you can like, if you want a great athlete on your team, there are lots of different ways to get a great athlete on your team. Yeah. I I think with IMG, like most of those kids are going to play division one sports. I Mm -hmm. mean, that's, that's why they're there. So it's almost like, it's kind of like a college prep school, but you're yes. prepping for sports yep. in a way that Bishop Sycamore is not, although they're like, we want to be like that. And they offer like that minus, you know, it's like that idea, but without any of the academics, plus 
these kids just aren't for the most part division one worthy right they're just they're just not that good and some of them aren't kids and yeah and some of them can buy beer <laughs> <laughs> and kevin roy isn't even a good coach that's the crazy thing I mean, there are a lot of crazy things, excuse me, but, you know, it's funny that he, you know, that he isn't even that good of a coach wanting to put together this team. I mean, he was superior with the stuff about, like, no money down and walking away when the bills came due. He was he was really good at that. But I think, for me, anyway, the larger goal of this con isn't really clear, right? Is he doing this because he wants to make money? But who's he making money off of? And is it just to perpetuate this? Right. I mean, yeah, I guess they're, like, they're saying there's money. I think it's his ego, Kevin. I mean, I think a lot of it is money, but I think a lot of it is his ego, because when we hear that backstory about how he did this internship at the New York Jets and he's mm-hmm. watching like Bill Parcells and these other coaches. And I know nothing about football, so I'm probably going to butcher all this. But he's talking about like the appeal of like being a coach. And he's like, I'm in charge of the gladiators. And like, you know, he has like some weird thing. He says, like, I'm fighting for them. And like, mm-hmm. he's got this sort of grandiose opinion of what it means for him to be a coach. It goes back to my sort of narcissist thing in the beginning is like, it would seem logical that it's the money, but it also seems like he's got sort of a warped view of his own reality and his own importance that is really inflated by his role with this team. Yeah. I, yeah. I think yeah, it's, it's yeah. the money. It's and, the money. Well, money's always kind of part of it, but I think like, you know, he does occasionally get like a little bit of candor. Right. And there was like, at some point, like they asked him like, well, why would you do this? And he's like, well, you know, it's about uh, pride and insecurity and things like that. And it's kind of like, dude, if you just want something just say it, like, I want you to join our Patreon. Oh, so just come right on and say it. That's definitely about the money. That's, that's how we make about our show. Money. That's like literally how we pay ourselves to make our show. I know, Toby's like, I was just about to make a really good point. You can you make it after the business section, Toby. Getting, yeah, Toby. We'll come you back keep, to you. You keep thinking about that. Okay, coach. Let it simmer. Let it simmer there. So right now on Patreon, uh, you're going to hear the end of that discussion that we started to have about concerts. And about, I'm going to like focus this because we've, we've talked a little bit about uh, this in the past. And I just recently remembered Toby's story about going someplace to one of these shows. Who are? This guy was there with a woman who could have bailed uh, yeah, up Peter his Gabriel. mom. Yeah, Peter Gabriel. Okay, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to talk about specifically when we were in high school, the bands and artists that you didn't get to see. But would love to see today. Peter Gabriel. If they're still alive. <laughs> so Jimmy Buffett doesn't count. <laughs> Other things going on. I mean, you get over 400 now. 400 exclusive podcasts at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. They include Laura Bricker's Leave it to Bricker. They also include Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcast. Toby's next book that he's discussing is Beneath a Ruthless Sun by an up-and-coming author. What was his name? I can't. I can't. I can't. Who is it? Um, it's uh, uh, Gilbert King. Oh, Gilbert King. That oh, guy. Yes. I wonder whatever happened to him. I don't know. Yeah, Does he yeah. make anything else? Does he make anything else? <laughs> you know what he makes? Bone, bone Valley. He's always making the Bone Valley. <laughs> He's also a professional photographer, by the way. Really? Yes. Don't you follow him on Instagram? No, I just thought he was really good with his phone. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn. So uh, sign up, get more of that discussion. Also, we have Married with Podcast, which is the podcast in which Rebecca and I dole out advice to people. And this time we're answering a listener's question about what to do about their 20-month-old kid 
who is biting people. Oh. Need some of advice. You can say Becca. a year and a half now. You don't have to say 20 months old. It's people just like stuck on the month thing. <laughs> Run them out to people. Yeah. Just, I'm sick. I'll be 600 months old. Just like the math is like, I can't believe it. <laughs> Cannot figure it out. So to get all that great stuff, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. Sign up. You can get uh, episodes of Crime Writers on early and ad free as well. All right. Kevin, uh, does that end the business section? Thus ends the business section. I'm going to go ahead and fade that music out. Right now. <gasps> BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you were saying, Toby, <laughs> what were you saying before he, oh. Kevin, Kevin so unceremoniously went right to the business section? Yeah, I was just going to say that. was a quarterback think, sneak, Toby. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, I knew there was some kind of metaphor that could be put in there. Um, I Like, I really like this, this documentary. I think one of the things it doesn't do well is that it kind of hints at this financial aspect of the con, but it doesn't really follow through. Like, I didn't feel like I understood it. Mm. There's two things that go on, right? He's he's signing for these PPP loans that were meant for small businesses during during the, the COVID pandemic, and he's getting the kids to sign for them, or he's forging them for the kids. It's a little bit unclear. And then the other thing is he's charging tuition. Yep. And you never find out anything about where this money actually goes. So, I mean, he could potentially have, like close to a million dollars based on just the numbers that you kind of see flashing across the screen and then the number of kids they have. But that that is just not pursued at all. Right. It doesn't really fit in with their sort of larger point, but it does at the end of the day, that seems like the part that would be super actionable because, you know, this thing about running it, like they have this religious institution exception to the Ohio high school oversight committee or whatever it is. Um, so uh, anyway, that that seems like what, what would be legally actionable, but they don't pursue it at all. Yeah, I think there's a reason why, though, he did it that way. I mean, it's like he's raising money from organizations for a thing that he's never going to build. So yeah. there's that. He but also I feel like he's kind of stumbling into certain things by accident. Because, I mean, obviously he didn't set this up. He didn't knowing it was going to be a pandemic, get right. PPP loans. I don't even think like he 
plan, like we're going to make this religious because we're going to get these tax exemptions and things like that. I kind of feel like no, he made he it religious because there was not going to be no oversight. Yeah, but also he's <laughs> like, oh, I can get the. It was like this original church. I can convince them to start a quote unquote school, right? As opposed to going to the your alderman and saying I need to set up a high school, right? But it made me wonder too if Ohio and I, you know I could look this up in two seconds has a program like a tuition program like New Hampshire has like a voucher type program where he could get paid. The mm-hmm. tuition like through the state if the kids don't have the money? Yeah, he probably could. But then, you know, that's a different kind of fraud. And it just seems like, I don't know. But I don't there's know. no oversight because it's a religious there's institution. There's no oversight. <laughs> but, right, but I think in some ways we ascribe like a lot of elegance and foresight to his, his scheme. But, I mean, there's one detail that makes me question everything we think about what he was doing here with this team and is that he schedules a last minute game on the Friday before the biggest game on Sunday. Yeah. Right. Like on its face, like you don't coach football, you guys, but you know, that's like a disaster. You can have tired players. They're going to be injured, you know, more quickly. If his plan is that he wants to get the exposure to show everybody what a great high school team this is and people want to go, he just like gassed like half of your team. And I'm like, why would you do that? If you're really thinking about this scam, you wouldn't do that in a million years. What was so important about that Friday game that you had to, you know, set yourself up for a major failure and watch this whole thing unravel? I think it belies that he really doesn't have this thought out all the way through. I think he's just, I think he's like a gambler. He's reactionary to this shit I think he's like a gambler in that way. Just like throwing his kids, instead of of throwing all his money on the table, he's throwing his kids out there on the table and... Yeah. So Mm -hmm. can we talk about Laura, this guy who's arranging, uh, pairing up these football games and and got them on ESPN to begin with? First of all, that's a crazy job. The fact that that job exists is like this like fixer guy who's just like putting uh, teams together. But this fake ass fucking school got on ESPN to play this like powerhouse high school and like. It is funny, actually, when you see the two teams together, just like their size difference. This, this fake school's BS High's quarterback is so tiny. He's yeah. so little. Truly, and, no, but he's actually a legit athlete. I know. No, the, the, the backup see- guy. It's not the not the oh. starting. It's the guy they put in. And they're like, he's not actually listed as a quarterback. He's a cornerback. Yeah. He's like 5'8 or something. Cornerback, yeah. quarterback. I mean... I wouldn't know the difference, <laughs> but uh, but he, but they even their uniforms don't fit properly. They kind of run out there. Their helmets keep falling off. Yeah, those are not safe. They're not even regulation equipment. You're gonna get killed. You want to know what that feels like? Go run into a wall thirty times and then come back two days later and say, "Yeah, I'll do that again." Except this time against a much sturdier wall. If it was such a big concern that they should only play one game per week then you should make that a national law and rule. The health people should come in and say all that. And guess what I would do? Hey, bro, we can't play these two games. We can't do that because it's against the law. But they didn't make it illegal, so we played the game. I just thought it was so sad because you have these kids who are really there for the right. They, they are there because they want a football career. They come from, most of them, you know, difficult and challenging situations. They go on ESPN Play this IMG super team and get just fucking crushed 58 to zero. And it's like, oh, my God. I mean, you just have to feel for these kids because it's like Roy is just like, look at me like I'm Roy. And like these kids are like, you know, devastated. Like how embarrassing, like in, in a way that's just very sad to me that they're being used as pawns and whatever crazy scheme he has. But the fact that there's so much going on 
at this level of high school football in this section of the country that there are these type of jobs in existence. Yeah. You know, can you imagine New Hampshire, how long it would fly before somebody was like, that's kind of strange. Like, I, hmm. I actually think it could fly in New Hampshire because it's like, oh, there's no regulation here either. <laughs> you know, what I think Roy would say about like how these kids are being exploited at Bishop Sycamore is that actually, particularly black kids are exploited in high school and in college. And that that's kind of just the way it is. And that, you know, he's being singled out because he's got this weird scam where there's no school attached to this team really, but that, you know, division one football programs, you know, until very, very recently athletes couldn't make any money off the, the fact that they played for these, these programs right mm-hmm. now that now they have these image licensing agreements they can do. So like the very, very top ones who are probably going to go pro anyway, can earn some money that way. But for the most part, division one football is using these kids. They don't get paid and a very, very small percentage of them are able to play professional football afterwards. So I think what he would say is like, it's a little bit hypocritical to like point to me and say, you're exploiting those kids. The entire system in high school and college is exploiting those kids. Yes. And you're just singling me out because my model is a little bit different and I'm not trying to stick up for him <laughs> by, in it, by any means, but college football, big time college football is absolutely exploiting kids and almost none of them end up going to the NFL. Yes. And depending on the school, sometimes the graduation rates are abysmal. So they're literally just there to play football, to make these schools money. Yes. Yeah. And Kevin, what is that Michigan coach that was just fired? What was his contract worth? $90 million. What? Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. If you look at, they have those maps on the internet where it's like the, who's the highest paid state employee in your state. Always. always. It's the football coach. Yeah. Yeah. In New Hampshire, it was the hockey coach, but that was a whole other, whole other thing. And you know, Toby, it just occurred to me that, you know, if he's saying that the idea is we're going to make this somehow an elite high school team that you're going to get looks and this is how you're going to get picked up by a division one college and eventually turn pro to look at the story of Trillian, who was the quarterback, mm. and he actually got a look from a legitimate college. He got signed, and then they found out that he didn't really graduate from a real high school. It isn't like I, a certain college could be like, oh, well, you know, we're going to look the other way, or a certain college could say, we can make an exception, because all of these colleges have to go by the NCAA. They set the rules. And unlike Ohio High School Athletic Association, like if you're with the NCAA, there's no exceptions, right? You got to do that or your team doesn't play. So no one's going to like make a big exception for a student who didn't graduate from high school to play, you know, in an NCAA team. So and anyway, the the point is that nobody from Bishop Sycamore, yeah. even if they're fantastic, is going to be picked up by a college because it's not an accredited high school. Yeah, it's like that. It's like Navarro College, that college in cheer, that junior college has oh, different yeah. rules because it's a junior college, remember? Because they're yeah. not part of the NCAA. But they are part of a different... They're part of a different league that has yeah. rules. But remember how lax it was? Because it was like there were kids there that like the the academic rules were kind of lax. The one rule was that 
you could be at Navarro College forever, mm-hmm. but you could only be on mat for the tournament for like three of your years while you were matriculating at that college. Mm-hmm. But you could technically just keep coming back to that college year after year after year after year and train with the team or whatever. So sometimes kids would go there and then go on to like yeah, but that's know, not UT Austin or whatever, but like not typically. That option is not available to these kids. No, yeah. not yeah. it is not. Go ahead, Laura. Oh, I was speaking of just the whole high school athletic thing. I mean, I would love to talk about that guy that is the investigator or the former investigator for the because like he was one of my favorite characters in this. And I just love the way that he was able to explain what was going on with Roy. Like he said, his life provided a fantastic case study. And then we have the reporter who's kind of like his counterpart who knew him, who was talking about Ben and how much Ben loves the rule. And he's like, he's like a. He's digging like a puppy when he gets out on a case and then watching him and hearing from him as he was talking about, you know, how basically the rules were not really adequate, like you guys are saying, to respond to what was happening there. And I think the part that was sad is he said he couldn't get anybody in the media interested in reporting on this until that ESPN game where they get just trounced 58 to zero. And when there is finally an investigation Obviously, like you guys were already saying, there's not much they can do. But I think one of my takeaways from the Ben and then Andrew, who was the reporter part, um, who, by the way, had the best name for a book title ever, Friday Night Lies, (laughs) 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 which was pretty awesome, was, I mean, and this is just an issue that's sort of near and dear to my heart, is sort of like the decline in local news coverage. And I guess I wonder how would this or would it have played out differently in in like the old glory days that I think of in journalism when we did have lots more reporters and somebody surely must have been like, what the fuck is going on with this place and this guy, Roy? And like, you know, somebody I feel like besides Ben at the Ohio Athletic Association might have been asking questions about this and maybe, you know, being more like that public watchdog that you you hope you have in your local journalist. Um, So I, I did wonder if we were in sort of a different era, would this have gotten as far as it did without having some more public scrutiny on it? I don't know if anyone else kind of wondered about that. It's in Columbus, Ohio, right? Yeah. I mean, the Columbus dispatch is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but how, how much have they been cut down? That's the question. Like I, I don't how, know. All these, I don't know. All these papers have been so cut in terms of, you know, their reporting staff. It does. It just kind of made me wonder, like, if we were in a different time, would it have gotten that far? But I did enjoy Ben and, um, you know, his his sort of, you know, investigation into Roy. And he's what did he say? He's either really good or really, really bad. Like, oh, he's kind, when he said, do you think Roy's a con man? And he said he's kind of good at it. And he's kind of awful at it. Well, he also says he opened my mind to what fraud could be. I had no idea the depths with which you could get away with things. And his life provided a fantastic case study for all the flaws of the legal system. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So I love that guy. But I was like, man, I want to support you because like you're out there by yourself beating this drum and like, you know, trying to bring this down and and there's really nothing that can be done, which is just absolutely maddening. Yeah. Well, Kevin, we also learn, you know, at the end of the documentary, like Roy is not a good guy in other aspects of his life, right? Like he has all these other, you know, his domestic cases. violence charge. Correct. He's got the, the financial scam stuff. It goes way beyond rotisserie chicken. Yep. It's like it's going to Kinko's to make up a check. Yep. 
Why not just make up $100 bills, dude? It's a color copier, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, so we start off, and certainly we understand he's an unreliable narrator from the jump, right? You know, when, especially when he says, am I a con man? And nobody, Do I look like a con man? And nobody says, no, you don't. Uh, so My answer would be, what does a con man look like? What does a con man look like? I, I, th- I think that, like, if we're starting off thinking, like, he's going to be a charming con man with a lot of pluck, it's like, hey, man, I just tricked the world and I put my football team on because he has, obviously, he has charisma, which helps when you're a con man. But the get a load of this guy aspect of it is more than just the quirkiness. There's some real damage that he's doing, not just financially, but also to these kids, not to their their physical health to their academic prospects, to their financial prospects and their credit reports. And these are already kids who are disadvantaged and he's just taken advantage even more of them. Yeah, he's certainly not a good guy. And even though he's smiling and personable and seems like he'd be a really good hang, that he is just I don't think he really seems like he'd be a good hang. Well, it seems like the producers were having a good time chatting with him. At least he's, you know, he's. If you don't he's mind paying the bill at the end, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. As long as you don't mind sitting with somebody who, like, first of all, I love that. Ever since the last dance, mm-hmm. you see in all these documentaries, people responding to what other people say. That's great. About that them. can be really effective. I mean, yeah. that was really the first time I had ever seen that done to great effect. I mean, somebody handing an iPad Correct. to the subject. What and do having you? Them how react. do you feel about what Charles Barkley said about you in yeah. this clip, Michael Jordan? Yeah, but here they have. <laughs> They have a big, strong kid break down into tears because of what this did to his life. Yeah. And this guy just gets up like, oh, that's fucking bullshit and walks out. Yeah, fuck him. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis, which could lead to psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix treats both. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, 300 milligram dose, and adults with active psoriatic arthritis, 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out the HBO Originals documentary, BS High? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for BS High? 
Yeah. Um, this is also the best title that fits so appropriately with the topic in this documentary. I mean, it's like actually pretty amazing that their initials match the actual theme of this. So I am not a sports person. God knows I do anything I can do to avoid watching football unless it involves like eating food during the winter months. But this was really interesting because this, you know, was an issue where we have, you know, a very clear con man um, who has, you know, a lot of issues going on. And this sort of window into this scam that takes place in Ohio that really, to me, shed light on just how much value people place on high school football to the point that they would set up all of these private schools basically for the purpose of uh, grooming, you know, and training athletes that, you know, hope to go to college and play football or hope to play in the NFL. But I think in this case, at the center of it, you know, having Roy, who was the coach slash founder of this school, he was just a really interesting case study. And I thought this was really great that they had him doing an interview in this. I think that really made the story uh, come to life for me in a way that was really maddening um, when you realize what happened, but also very enlightening when you really get a window into who this guy was through his own comments in this documentary. So, you know, I don't like football, but I did like this documentary. So I will say thumbs up. Toya Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for BS High? So I, I remember, I didn't watch the game. I don't watch high school football, but uh, I remember when this happened and it was like a big kind of scandal in the sports world, you know, Bishop Sycamore. I mean, it was the butt of a lot of jokes and, and just sort of like, what the hell's going on? Um, I, I thought this documentary was very effective in showing sort of what the story behind this was. And it's largely around this guy, Roy Johnson, who is... Uh, He's a con man or a sociopath or whatever. He's he's interesting to watch. He becomes increasingly less charming as it goes along, I would say. So I think it's it's good in that way. I think it also, you know, you kind of watch it and, you know, it seems like an extreme case of the way a lot of young black male athletes, particularly in football, um, you know, their labor and their bodies are are exploited for different, basically, institutions of education, whether it's high school or, or, or college. So anyway, I, I thought there's a lot to think about. You know, the, the central character is kind of an interesting but not extremely likable guy. And I also just think, you know, there, there's not a whole lot of wasted stuff in here. You know, I thought I thought all the interviews were right on point. They don't belabor anything. They don't feel like they have to keep hitting something or or like over explaining it to you. I thought it was very, very tight. Um, so I, I really liked it. Uh, I, I give it a, a very strong thumbs up. Kevin Flynn. Yeah, I'm also a thumbs up. I think, you know, my criticism would be I don't think it answered a lot of the not a lot, but there were certain key questions that I don't think it delved into deep enough that as a viewer, I got answers to. There were things regarding finances and logistics and motivations that I think were left unanswered that probably could have been answered. However, I think that the story is really compelling. You find out that it is much more than just a football team that got their ass kicked because they weren't really a school, uh, that there are some real some real issues here and there are real stakes, even though you might just sort of laugh at a guy who said, I, could f- I fooled ESPN. Uh, by getting my team on. It was nothing like that. And it was way more serious. Uh, so HBO did a good job of putting this together and surprising me. I was very surprised about 
what we had here. Very well told. Thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up for me too. I love sports documentaries. I really, really do, even though I'm not like the world's biggest sports fan. And I mean, I care a lot about football insofar as I hate the NFL. I despise Tom Brady. I hate football culture, the toxicity what? of it. Yes, I hate the toxicity of football culture. I love Patrick Mahomes. Gotta run you right out of New England. <laughs> I care a lot about Patrick Mahomes. Care a lot about him. Uh, I think he's wonderful. Um, but I think that this documentary like really gets to the heart of some of the toxicity of football culture without being about college sports, without being about the NFL. This is like a little microcosm of sports toxicity through the lens of this fraud, right? And um, I really liked it. It was really tight, as Toby said. And you have this just bizarre villain that, I don't know. I mean, I'm not spoiling anything because in the first five minutes, you find out he's just a very bizarre villain. Uh, But the scam itself is just wild and incredibly sad. And I just think the thing is very, very well put together. And it sort of combines like this true crime thing with this. I can't believe this thing with a great sports documentary at the same time. So, yeah, thumbs up for me for BS High. I really enjoyed it. I know some of our listeners have seen it because I saw some of you recommending it on our Facebook group. And Thank you for pointing me to it because I don't think I would have watched it otherwise. So big thumbs up for me from BS High. Oh, we would have made you watch it. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Now, good to know. All right. Now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast. A little something I like to call the crime of the crime week. Crime of the week. Police responded to a British coastal resort for a mass death by mysterious cult members. A dog walker in Chapel St. Leonard passing a window spotted many bodies sprawled on the floor of a darkened room. Authorities were relieved to find the victims were not deceased cult members. They were a yoga class in deep meditation. Workers at the Seaside Resort confirm someone mistook the calming moment of introspection for a mass death. They say the call was made, though, with good intentions. Here at Partners in Crime Media, we understand why such a site might cause alarm to someone listening to a true crime podcast while walking a dog. Though we have never been, it's our hope that the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio has shades on your damn windows. So, panel, (laughs) what was this yoga class meditating about while the police were investigating their deaths? Laura Bricker, what do you think? what they could do to get Keith Morrison to stop by and practice some yoga with them Mm. next time. Toby, what do you think this yoga class was meditating about while police were investigating their demise? This was in England, right? Yes. Well, uh, this is kind of niche, but I think they'd be uh, meditating on how Fiji got hosed by the refs in their opening uh, Rugby World Cup game against Wales. (laughs) What do you think, Evan? Uh, They were thinking about the Roman Empire. perfect yeah. yeah yes all right well we're gonna leave it there Lara Bricker if folks want to reach out to you and say hi on social media how can they find you there they can find me at Lara Bricker on Twitter it will always be Twitter I refuse to change the name yeah why should you what do you think Toby Ball how can people find you online uh, I guess they can find me on Twitter at Toby Ball NH uh, Twitter does not resemble the Twitter I don't know my feed is just so weird these days uh, and then I'm also on threads at Toby Ball 603 Kevin Flint. I'm a Kevin P. Flynn. Uh, you can find me everywhere, Twitter threads, although I haven't checked threads in a really long time. Different waiting for me to, for me to post there. 
Good luck. Uh, at You're Reb- getting flamed there. You don't even know it. Uh, I have no idea. At Reb Lavoy. You can also follow the show everywhere at Crime Writers On. And I encourage you to join our incredible Facebook group. It really is rad there. Group members have bought a lot of stuff for teachers. Teachers have posted their Amazon wish list there. Teachers who listen to this show. And our group members are really stepping up and helping teachers buy their supplies. So go ahead. Join our Facebook group. Help a teacher out. Get episodes early and ad-free at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. You'll also get the Crime Writers on After Show, Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave it to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcast. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our quarterback is the very handsome Livy Burdett. The offensive coordinator is Kevin Flynn. It's offensive coordinator. The offensive Please, coordinator. No, the offensive coordinator. No, it's not that! This show is Kevin Flynn. This show was recorded in the Treehouse Yoga Studio above the Mockingbird Cafe in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi, studio otherwise known as studio c the closet in our new hampshire basement where we also embarrass ourselves in front of a national audience on behalf of all the crime writers thanks so much for listening we'll catch you later, later. clip two <coughs> it's so funny i was gonna burp at that same exact moment there we go the family that burps together slurps together Ew. I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix works on both. Cosentix secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis 300 milligram dose and adults with active psoriatic arthritis 150 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or one 844 Cosentix. Ask your doctor about Cosentix.